with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, your Jewish Patriot, Cindy Gross. And welcome to the Jewess Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premiere, Jewish Women Activist. You don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. And I want to thank you all for all of your support internationally when you download us, you stream us, and you reach out to us. We have another huge show tonight. I don't want to disappoint you. So let's get started in my opening corner my pearls of wisdom, because I am Zisel Peril, sweet pearl in Yiddish. And it is certainly a sweet time of the year for Jews, as it, as it is the high holidays. It is our Jewish New Year, and we wish everybody a Shana Tova. We are very lucky as Jews. We have two dates on the calendar year where we make our resolutions. And I invite my entire non-Jewish audience to engage in our tradition of resolutions. Why not? We could all look to do something new, to improve ourselves, to reflect of ourselves, and to think most importantly, how we love ourselves and have to take better care of ourselves because each and every one of us, Jewish or not, are important. We are important to our family, our friends, our community, but most important, we are important to ourselves and we often forget that. So my resolution for all of you is to think about taking 10 to 15 minutes a day of taking care of yourself, whether it's pampering yourself, whether or not you're meditating to reflect and clear your head emotionally, whether or not it's just closing a door, reading a book and ignoring the world. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, no one's going to do it for us. But it's also a great time of the year to reflect about what's going on around the world. Let's think about what's going on around the world. Are you happy about it? If not, what are you going to do about it? Are you happy with the way you look? If not, what are you going to do to fix it? I will tell you one of the biggest trends at the Emmys a couple of weeks ago, and again at New York Fashion Week. Age is timeless. The best dressed at the Emmys were people like Jean Smart, Chevrolet Ralph, both Emmy winners in their 60s and more. Lisa Rinna, 59 years old, walked and closed a show at New York Fashion Week. Age is just a number. It's how you feel and how you act. What else do you want to think about? How you spend your time. Do you want to spend your time angry? Because we're living in an angry society. My suggestion, take the little steps. Call that person you might have a disagreement with and say it's a new year. Let's move forward. 
It's not worth it to be angry all the time with everyone and everything. What else is good about this time of the year? Well, it's a change of seasons in many parts of the world. Some get hotter, some get colder, but it's a great time to reflect. What do I really need? And you start with your wardrobe and you think about other things. What do we really need? I'll tell you what's the most important to many people. It's we need our health and we need people around us because there are too many people who are lonely and who are not well. It's not another pocketbook or it's not another trip, although maybe the trip actually helps your mental stability because you have to get away. One thing that COVID brought, and I hope it stays, people were forced to be at home, to have dinners together, to find hobbies as a family or a, a unit living together. And that's nice. Have a conversation. Have some human socialization. Maybe part of the problem that people are so angry today is that we rely, including myself, on electronics. Shana Tava. Happy New Year. Make a brisket. I know so many of my non-Jewish followers always write to me and ask me for a good brisket recipe. We also have in our Rosh Hashanah Seder, black IPs because of the, the idea of good luck. You don't have to come from the South or celebrate the Chinese New Year to enjoy black IPs. But most important, it's a time to restart. Let's restart together in a positive way. And let's make a difference for peace around the world and happiness for all. We'll be back after this commercial. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp Spirit and Liqueur Portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. You've served our country and made us proud. Many of you have come home, continue to lead, and look out for one another. So it's important we all learn the five signs of emotional suffering. If you or someone you know is experiencing one or more of these signs, reach out, connect, offer to help. Hey, what's the matter? In or out of uniform, we can help our families and nation stay strong. Visit changedirection.org. 
welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. Our next guest really is making headlines at New York Fashion Week, not only because he has gorgeous fashions, and I promise every woman you're going to raid your husband's, your son's, your boyfriend's closets when you see these jackets we're going to feature, but because he is working and giving back to his neighborhood and he is helping autistic children. Ellie Belay is from New York, originally from Lebanon and Syria. His brand is from Milan and he represents the modern fashion designer who is international and we are proud to call him a uh, Jewish designer for the present and future, the next generation of Jewish designers. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you very much for having me. Well, your show made great headlines, not only for the gorgeous fashions, but because of the work you're doing with autistic children with the designs. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration for the show. Well, um, you know, I'm in all uh, fashion week from Milan, Paris, London, uh, uh, L.A., New York. Uh, we did one in Miami last year, but uh, we focus on the mainstream fashion week shows. Um, this, the inspiration of this show is all about the, I mean, I, I, I get tired to see people depressed. I get to see people not looking to communicate with each other. We have lost that phone call that we always do to our friend and say, hi, how you doing? We don't have that. We have text now to say, how you doing? And that is it. We're done. We don't have social life anymore. We're either stuck on social media, depressed, looking for something to, to actually get our soul a little bit on the on a higher level and it's you know social media is fake but all I wanted to say I brought the color that my inspiration was the color of life that is going to bring happiness because color always bring happiness to the person's soul so um the flower represent happiness the flower smell represent happiness and satisfaction so I brought the floral i made about 20 pieces part i mean not everything i did in floral but i have about 20 pieces out of my collection to represent happiness and that's where we where, where the idea came from i mean i i my friend have no time for me to actually pick up the phone and say how you doing you know i had to like sometimes say how are you it's been a while. I actually missed you. Hello. I mean, family, friend, everyone is is busy with their own life. I mean, I don't know what happened from two years until now. The world has changed because of the pandemic. And now after the pandemic, we got another hit, which is the inflation. The inflation killed everything. I mean, I tell you when supply chain, that was another story. It was It was exhausting. I mean, from... Ever since the Biden administration started, we're getting hit after hit, hit after hit. Where are we going with this? We need, I, we need someone to take matter into their own hands, like Trump. He knows how to move the country from point A to point B. You're speaking the, world, the language here. 
the world is upside down. They need someone that have a heart of gold that is going to actually, uh, you know, get the country back. I mean, if I'm hoping Trump gets back and I don't care for anyone who, who, who like, I mean, the world has gotten divided between oh, Biden and Trump or Democrat and Republican. All I'm saying is this morning they sent out all these people with buses to, to Kamala's home. That was a brilliant idea, girl. I don't know why I'm You're talking the language. Though. You're talking the language. I don't know language. why I'm talking politics. I don't like to get involved, but it, sometimes I say, I work so hard. I have eight children. My school tuition is through the roof. For someone to come from another country to get paid to live here, are they bringing them to to make the election more rigged? Well, I I have to tell you that this show encourages people like you to speak up because so many people who are conservative-minded and who are for legal immigration and who work in the fashion world that did vote for Donald Trump and dress the first family when they were in office were actually boycotted by many of the mainstream press this season. And uh, a lot of their front row people did not show up because they are not supporting what is going on. But let's get back to the collection. It's so key. Let's get back. You have your a collection featured what I noticed from the shows I went to and was invited to two major trends that I see happening. Number one, that color, the bright colors and the embellishments. And I'll say something about your background. You know, most people don't realize how many great designers come from the Middle East. Yes. A lot of them happen to be Jewish also, uh, which makes me very proud. Yes, but I the. I noticed that, and this is something that Jews and and Arabs and Muslims do agree on, in their designs, intricate details are key, embellishments are key, and that is something that your collection certainly features and was uh, really got rave reviews for. So talk to us a little bit about that, because we don't talk much about how many people came to America from the Middle East have very successful international fashion houses, and that it's really a place that we can look for future fashion business. Well, um, let me start from my early years. I remember the first time I sat on a sewing machine, I was six years old. You could call it child labor, but I tell you this much. Nowadays, kids do not want to move. They don't, they're very lazy. They don't want to hold jobs. We worked. I worked. At six years old, I, I mean, my, the Bellet family were the original designer. They had a big, giant factory, and they used to produce to the mold that was owned for, for the Syrian government. And they used to actually sell a multitude of, of, of quantity. And as a matter of fact, the factory that my dad and my grandpa had, it was actually uh, most of the worker of that factory was actually the Jews of Syria. Like you can literally say the Bele family 
in the Syrian community, they all know, oh, I worked there. My mom worked there. My grandpa worked there. So it was from the 1915, sorry to say, 1915 up until 19, uh, I believe, 85 when they shut down. And that's when things has shifted to China and 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 the Malaysia and different different part of the world. But I can tell you this much. At six, I started with the sewing machine. I was playing around with fabrics and element. At probably age 10, I was able to sew a full pants. A, I was able to sew a full shirt. At, at age 11, I was able to cut and sew a full pants from scratch. Uh, pants, shirt, and whatnot. I believe I was at about eight, uh, age 12-ish before by my bar mitzvah. I was able to get a room by my grandparents' house, um, my mom's side, and I was able to put three sewing machine. And I used to go out to other factory and get, and get, uh, you know, uh, merchandise to sew for them so they can take it and sell it out to the market. At age 15, I had my own factory, my own design, my own collection. Two years down the road, I got the chance, and I thank you to all the people that managed to get all the Jewish Syrian out of Syria and Lebanon. And I was able to come here and start my journey here. I was not able to actually start in the fashion industry, but I got to it um, I got into the jewelry business. I was one of the beginners in the in the online business. I used to be one of the biggest uh, website online. I used to sell all high-end jewelry, watches and whatnot. When uh, 2008 crash, um, I had to move to a different sector where I actually moved into this. I started preparing for opening up my own brand. Um, I was all over the place from Milan, uh, uh, from Milan to China to Malaysia to be able to start a line. Literally, the brand is eight years old. And if you search Alibele online, you're going to see us in Saks, Bloomingdale's, Macy's, Lord & Taylor, um, 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 Nordstrom. Um, uh, we used to be very big with Century 21. There is every. Every Jewish mom knows the brand of Eli Belay and tell you how gorgeous and how much quality it is. Um, and that's, you know, and nowadays no man is going to buy his own outfit. The mom does. So mom buys from for husband and kids. So the mom knows, especially in the five downs, they all know Eli Belay, just so you know. <laughs> Well, this is an international show, and since you're all over the country, you go on your website, you are really in every continent, and and we are so happy. We're running out of time. You told everybody where we could buy your your clothes. We're going to definitely have you back with updates, and we also want to thank you for your contributions for recognizing autistic children, because that was a very big part of the show it took you four months to complete the show. You are giving uh, luxury jackets to students at a public school. Who luxury su- items. Um, um, it's going to be a different, different items. We just haven't decided. We're waiting for the list from the schools of what each child 
prefer or rather preferences from color to styles because you know um, each one have his own taste so we're actually catering to the kids of what style what looks what color to the deep we always focus on details so we're waiting for that we were actually speaking to the school yesterday and they're preparing a list that's going to let us know each child what their preferences are and then we are going to hand I'd rather not we let me say I will be hand picking per child his preferences whether he wants a blue color or a bright color or or a basic white shirt or whatever preference that the child has well we thank you so much for coming on and this this mama this safta and you don't have to be jewish with cindy by the way so this is a huge non-jewish audience that is going to purchase and wear your clothes proudly and your story is amazing of coming to America and succeeding and being a proud American and wanting to make America great again because it was great then something happened the past two years and now we have to start all over to make it great again. So, I agree 100%. Thank Amen. You, thank you so much for ju- joining the Jewish Thank you Jew for education. having me. Thank, thank you. For thank you. Me again. Thank you. You're very well. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp Spirit and Liqueur Portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. enough yet? Do facts no longer matter? Are lies to be encouraged instead of punished? This is not our inheritance. If truth no longer matters, we will not remain free for long. This is our generation's challenge, to defend our founders' hope that we the people could self-govern if we defend our right to get the facts. And right now, we're building the only defense a free people have, the facts on every politician every position they held, every statement they've made, every vote they've made, and any cash they've taken. It's the real history on those now pandering for your vote. There are hundreds of young people building our defense right now, and they need your help. We all have our passions, but as our ancestors knew, when events become so foul they threaten us all, we must stand and defend each other. Please, have our backs. Join us at votesmart.org. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. Uh, I don't really talk much about my personal life or my hobbies, but I am part of not one, but two book clubs. And both of my book clubs, it turned out, took off for the summer. But now they're coming back full steam. And joining us now is the author of a brand new book, part of a series of books, 
a Nick Reagan thriller called The Handler, Jeffrey Stevens. I highly recommended this to my book club and I'm highly recommending it for your book clubs because it really is a very exciting book. It takes us to many cities that we love to explore. And of course, it's a bestseller continuation. So we know that the characters are fascinating. So Jeffrey Stevens, thanks for joining us. And tell us a little bit about The Handler. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And thank you for the kind words about The Handler and the characters. Uh, The Handler is, as you said, it's a Nick Reagan thriller. And what it's about, it's about some proposed terrorist attacks from the Islamic extremes where a couple of CIA agents by the name of Nick Reagan and his sometime partner, Carol Gellos, are charged with the responsibility of uncovering the plots and then obviously trying to stop them. And it's interesting when you write a thriller, it takes a while to write it and then to get it edited. And then you have to go through all the things that are involved in publishing. And sometimes they're timely and sometimes they're not. This one happens to be right on the money because this is happening in the real world where Al-Qaeda is rearming, is uh, is re-strengthening itself. We saw that they, they killed Zawahiri uh, three, four weeks ago in Afghanistan, where we left behind billions of dollars of armaments when we ran out of Afghanistan. And so this book is about a new rise of Al-Qaeda and the dangers that we face. So it's a, it's a page turner. It's not, you know, this is not some kind of civics lesson. It's really, you know, it's a uh, it's exciting. And as you say, it's a globe trotting adventure. So we begin in New York City. And I'm not giving anything away to say that it takes us everywhere from New York City to Pakistan to Paris to Las Vegas and ultimately to the heartland of America, where the climax of the books takes place. And in the meantime, uh, uh, Nick and Carol are on this endless chase trying to find justice and to prevent a terrible attack or a series of attacks on our home front. So that's basically the background. The reviews have been great. Thank you very much to everybody, by the way professional reviewers, as well as those of you who have bought it on Amazon, posting all these five-star reviews, and the sales have been good, and it's really been very exciting and gratifying. Well, uh, like your last books, this book really is a very easy read. It's exciting. You could read it on a vacation. You could read it on a train going to and from work. It just, there's so much suspense in it. You are a criminal attorney and a civil attorney, and Where do you have time to write all these books? Well, it's a good question. I get up early, (laughs) I guess is the answer. Um, Yes, uh, I've been in private practice for many years. And in the last 20 years or so, I I always wanted to write and I always did some writing on the side. But in the last 20 years or so, I got serious about my novels. And so I spend more time on them now than I did in the past. I still practice law, but... Uh, this is my seventh novel. I'm proud to say that's been, you know, traditionally published. These aren't self-published books. These, are with, which I have nothing against, but these were are published by terrific, terrific publishers, including Simon and Schuster. And this one is with Post Hill Press, as you know. Um, I'm very fond of Anthony Zaccardi, who runs Post Hill, and the stuff that he does. And so this new book came out with Post Hill, as I say, to good reviews, good sales. And it's moving along. And so it's 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 great. I mean, I hope they make a movie out of it someday. And I'm going to continue the series. We're working on the sequel already. And because uh, if you read the book, you'll see that there's plenty of material left for a sequel, unfortunately, in this world. You know, 
a lot of people, when they think of spies, I mean, it's it's natural for us. We all, you know, are in the world of James Bond, but uh, espionage agents, intelligence agents, they're not about tuxedos and uh, uh, shaken martinis. That's not the real world. The real world is they live in the shadows. They give up large parts of their lives, of their family lives. They spend a lot of time waiting and then suddenly have to be called into action on short notice. And many times, and, and this is, I know this to be true because I have friends in that profession, shall we say, who have been, who have shared things with me and they haven't shared any top secrets. Uh, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but they have made it clear that there are so many things, Cindy, that we are subject to that we never hear about rescues or prevented attacks that we never hear about for obvious reasons, because they don't want to give up sources. They don't want to give up the, the nature of their Intel. But the reality is that these people are true heroes, just like our military and we should be rooting for them. And Nick Reagan, I think, is an American that you could easily root for, especially in these times when we need something like that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, you start, my next question kind of continues what you brought up in your last uh, piece there about uh, you speak with people. Do you travel to the places you write about? Almost without exception, I've been everywhere that I write about because readers nowadays are so sophisticated. You, you can't fool them with the stuff that was written years back, you know, where you just make up these stories and say, oh, yeah, this happened in Paris. And you throw out a couple of names and you say, oh, yeah, it was at the George Sank Hotel or something like that. So I do a lot of research, both on the intelligence side, uh, as well as the weaponry side. But I also want to know the places that I'm I'm going to write about. In fact, sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes the places I write about uh, inspire the story. For example, in this book, as I said, uh, the Heartland of America. There's a spoiler alert here. I'm not giving away anything about the plot, but I was fascinated on a book tour that I did on my last book to go to the Mall of America. I don't know if you've ever been there out out in Minnesota. It's un believable. I mean, they talk about it's the largest mall in America. That doesn't do it justice. I mean, it is so big that there's an amusement park in the middle of it, a complete amusement park with roller coaster and everything. I mean, it was mind blowing. And when I was walking around there, because I was on a book tour, I said, I just would like to see this place. So I took a cab out there and I'm walking around. I'm saying to myself, God, this would be an interesting place to, to have a great scene in a suspense novel. And that's how it happened. And in another one of my books, I was on vacation many years ago to a beautiful, beautiful town on the Italian Riviera called Portofino. And a lot of people have heard of Portofino and they see pictures and, and all that. But once again, it's nothing like being there. And when I came away from Portofino, I actually made some notes. And it was years later, many years later, that I went back to those notes and said, these photographs and these notes, this is a good place for some exciting stuff to happen. So you really need to know because you can't fool people anymore. They're, ju they're just too smart. Just like the plots nowadays really have to be clever. If you give them the old applesauce, you know, they're going to just throw it to the side and say, nah, I've, I've been there, done that. I've seen the story, you know. And so, so that's why it's fun. It's fun to travel. It's fun to do the research. And then it's fun to incorporate it into these stories. And another thing, if you don't mind my going on for a second, Absolutely. You know, when I, was writing, I was writing this book and it was during the COVID, you know, during the pandemic. And one of my motivations, because I had been working on a murder mystery involving a lawyer and a detective, and it all took place in New York City. 
the whole thing. And I, and I put it aside and I said, you know, people are housebound right now, including me. I mean, nobody was traveling. We were barely getting to see our own families because of all of this stuff and they were scaring us with, with, you know, with the pandemic and with COVID-19. I wanted to write a book that got people outside, you know, so it's like, well, maybe I can't go to Paris this week, but I wanted them to feel like they were walking the streets of Paris. And I wanted them to feel like they were in as Islamabad in, in case they'd never been there and Las Vegas and New York City and so on and so forth. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to make sure this was like a globe trotting adventure, because I thought that was something that would be fun for people. Uh, tell us a little bit about who inspired you in your writing. What authors do you look for when you want to read and who actually inspired you to write? Okay, two great questions and, and two completely different answers. Who inspired me to write? I can honestly tell you, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you how, how far this goes back. When I was in grade school, I used to write puppet shows. And I had a friend by the name of Kenny who wound up trying to be an actor many, many years later. And what I would do is I would write a script of a story. And we were, I think, in the first or second grade then. And we would have these things, I, I guess kids still do this, called dioramas, where you basically take a cardboard box and then you paint stuff in it and you put furniture, whatever, whatever. And I had these two puppets. And Kenny and I would, would be taken to the different classes right from kindergarten right up to sixth grade in our, in our grade school. And we would kneel behind the teacher's desk and we'd each have one of the puppets. And I would be frantically, you know, flipping the pages of the script that I'd written for Kenny's part and for my part for these two for these two puppets and so forth. So it really goes back a long way. And I just always love to tell a story. As you can tell, I talk a lot, but, but I always you, love... you know how to tell a story. That's well, there you the go. secret. Well, that's the key. If you know how to tell a story. And so who, who, who inspires me as a writer? I will say that my favorite writers are pretty much all American. Uh, I'm talking about Hemingway and Fitzgerald. I love them. Um, I do love Nabokov, the Russian writer. I also love, uh, 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 was I going to say Dostoevsky obviously is a great influence because he was so brilliant and and Tolstoy and War and Peace but you know there are so many great writers out there uh, on the American side but the one book if you ask me what was the book that when I read it I said you know what someday I'm going to be a novelist and that book was The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger when I fit I've read that book now in my lifetime probably half a dozen times but I remember the influence it had on me as a young teenager, Holden Caulfield and that whole thing and about all these phonies that he couldn't put up with and everything. And then that surprise ending, the twist at the end. But when I read that book and it gave me so much pleasure and sort of hope and I related to the main character, I said, that's something I want to do. So if I had to pick one, that would that would be it. I would also say that Somerset Maugham wrote one of the greatest books ever called The Razor's Edge. And people tend not to talk about that book anymore. It's really a shame because people should read it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful bit of not just Americana, but about how people dealt with the Depression and how people dealt with their values and so on and so forth. Just terrific, terrific book, The Razor's Edge. And, you know, obviously, as I say, Fitzgerald, I've read The Great Gatsby numerous times. One of the, the great things when I talk to people, because the book before this one was something called Fool's Errand, which was kind of a personal book. And I'll be honest, it didn't sell that well because it didn't easily fit into a genre. It was 
a father-son story and an international treasure hunt and so forth. But it, it's not a particularly long book. It's about 75,000 words, whereas most thrillers are like 100,000, 120,000 words. The Great Gatsby was only 50,000 words. And Fitzgerald got it done. I said, if Fitzgerald could get it done in 50,000 words, I don't feel so bad about 75,000. But anyway, but those are, those are the writers um, who inspired me. And I'll tell you what's also inspirational is that you must never give up. If, if you're someone out there listening and you're interested in writing, never give up. Never give up your dreams of being an actor or being a movie director, anything in the arts, of being a painter, because... People will keep knocking you down, and the only thing that matters is if you get up again. When Fitzgerald died, The Great Gatsby wasn't even in print anymore, and he was only like 46 years old. Right. And it was only years later that it became hot on the college campuses, and now, of course, it's standard fare. And Hemingway, God knows, I mean, he wrote a lot of books that were clinkers for sales until he really caught on. And it was more his personality in some instances than his books. So if you're out there and you have dreams, stay with it. If you had told me 20 years ago, I now have seven published novels, I would have said, oh, come on, you're kidding. And that's that. So you just never know. So, so at the beginning of our interview, you mentioned that you would love to see your books become possibly a movie, a series. Who would you like to see uh, play Nick Reagan? You know, I really haven't given that a lot of thought there. Uh, and I really haven't. There are a lot of great young actors that, you know, that... I, I am not familiar with in terms of their names and everything. I mean, certainly I'd love to see a Ryan Gosling play him. I mean, he'd be perfect uh, for, you know, so, so when I'm writing, I'm thinking of those types of actors, you know, uh, someone with that intensity uh, who could really carry the part off. But um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. That's a game. Once we're done with all this promotion for the book, that's when I sit down and start thinking about those things. We had a, we had um we actually had a movie deal in the works and it's a very sad story, but, and I don't want to go too much into it because it was so tragic, but the producer who bought the rights to my book died in a plane crash, believe it or not. And he died with a pilot himself and his son and his son who was around 16 at the time got ejected from the plane and lived. Oh wow. The pilot and Brandon both perished. Very, very sad, obviously. Um, and, uh, but so but we want just, to talk about happier things. Like right, this, right, right. This, this so I'm just book. hoping, so the happy stuff is there's gotta be somebody else out there who wants to turn this into a book. Because I'll tell you what, some of the stuff that I watch on these streaming services, just to see what's out there, I just can't believe they got made into films or, or into miniseries. I just don't get it. But anyway, it, each to uh, his well, own. I, I recently wrote about my, uh, summary of the Emmy Awards, honoring poop, honoring China with TikTok, with the, Unreal. Their their connection with NBC and of course honoring Albert El Abbott Elementary, where Cheryl Lee Ralph won an Emmy, uh, playing a teacher in a in a public school where she came from a school district in Uniondale, New York, that is in headlines every day for failure for minorities and uh, scandal after scandal with staffing, etc. So I just think that a it doesn't matter how many more streaming lines there are. The quality of television and movies has gone so downhill. You're, you're so right. And by the way, when you talk about education, and I, I speak because my wife was a teacher in elementary school for 35 years, by the way. And I'm telling you that it's just so sad because 
it is the minority part of the population that bears the brunt of this suffering, that they bear the hurt. The wealthy put their kids in private school. That's that's where they go. And they go to the best universities because they have the connections. But the kids who are in Harlem and Bedford-Stuyvesant and in, in L.A. and Detroit and Newark, they're the ones who are getting hurt. And all these promises that the left makes to them every election cycle. And then what happens once the minorities vote for them, they're the forgotten people. Or I have a better way to take care of them. Just give them free things, you know, up the welfare payment, give them food stamps, give them a cell phone, and they'll be quiet until the next election. And that's not what we should want. We should want to bring these people through their children out of this cycle of poverty and violence and drug abuse, get them educated, and get them to be the professionals that they can be. <laughs> no one in this country is any smarter than anyone else because of their skin color or their religion. We're all people. We just need the opportunities. And that's right. why somebody like Ben Carson, to me, is so admirable. Not him so much as what his mother did, which was right. lock him and his brother in the apartment and say, you're not going anywhere. You're doing your homework. And lo and behold, he's a professional and served in the White House now. I mean, that's what we should want for everybody in this country, right? Absolutely. And you know what else we want for everybody in this country? We want everybody to go on Amazon and to major bookstores Wait. and to buy the handler. You know, That's Jeffrey's going to be back with us on our Christmas gift special because this book is really such a great read. You're going to see a lot of it because I'm very proud to um, an honor that Jeffrey wants to be a part of the show. And it, it, you know what, in this day and time where there's so much craziness going on, reading is one of the best ways to escape. Especially when you're reading about people who are American heroes who really do exist and who really deserve our praise, our thanks, and so forth. And by the way, look, the cover is much better looking than my face. So look, there, there it is, the handler. And you could go to Amazon. Um, as you see at Jeffrey Stevens of the PH, you could go to my website, jeffreystevens.com, and see about all my other books and read about the handler. Uh, you could support your local bookstores. You could go to Barnes & Noble. But if you buy the book, I promise you will love it. It's so much fun. The biggest complaint I've had from people is you ruined my night's sleep because it got to be 11 o'clock. I couldn't put it down, and I kept reading till 3 o'clock in the morning. So I think that's high praise for any novel. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. You're going to come back on. And uh, thank you so much for Nick Reagan. And we look forward to seeing him on the screen somewhere so that people actually will have the opportunity for some quality, uh, either movie, series, television, wherever it might land. Jeffrey Stevens, thank you so much for joining Thanks, the Jewess Patriot. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp Spirit and Liqueur Portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. 
American Airlines rated the worst, losing the most bags, shrinking legroom during COVID. American requires passengers to show ID to fly, but attacks Texas's popular voter ID law. Why is CEO Doug Parker trying to appease the radical left to distract from billions in taxpayer bailouts, from his $10 million payday, from Americans' record layoffs? Doug Parker, American Airlines, serve your customers, not woke politicians. Before we close our show with our uh, memorial to children who passed away in the Holocaust, I do want to discuss some things that are important, some great pearls of wisdom for us to think about. While tonight's show was all about entertainment, fashion, books, food, culture, arts, whatever you want to call it, to uh, be on a light note, I do want to remind everybody that in less than two months, we are going to be voting. Actually, absentee ballots have started to go out. Early voting is going to begin in several states within weeks. And my suggestion to everybody is regardless of who you're voting for. I mean, you all know how I feel about who you should vote for because this is an important election. But there are people dying around the world for the privilege to vote. And it is very, very important for you to take a stand. It's simple and it's easy. It's easier today than ever. Go out and vote. Make your voices heard. Make your decision count. Don't just talk the talk. But before you go and vote, please research facts. Call up the offices of the candidates that are in your area. Try to meet them. Don't rely on TV. Don't rely on newspapers. And don't rely on discussions that your friends have because you don't know where they're getting the information. Call the candidates directly, but make sure you are not getting lost this election season. And now, because Ukraine is so much in the news, who would ever think that seven and eight months since the beginning of that war, we'd still be supporting a war in Ukraine? But for many people, they don't realize just how many Jews died from Ukraine in the Ukraine, especially in 1941 by Baba Yar. So I'm going to read off several names because there was just so many children that died, whether they were shot, whether they died walking in death marches, and whether they were taken to camps. Freema, I can't even pronounce these names, Schneiderman. Vera Labosca, she would have been 11 years old. Chaya Licht, she was less than 20 years old. Fania Sandler, she was born in Kiev in 1933. She was brutally murdered in Baba Yar by the Nazis on January 1st, 2021. It would have been her 87th birthday. Think about it. 
Who do you know that's 87 years old in your family that's still alive? She could have been their friend. David Edelman. Oh, I know someone in my neighborhood, David Edelman. He was 15. Misha Edelman. He was younger. Anna Friedman. She was 13. Zana Fitzjacic. She was 11. The list goes on and on and on. We have to protect our children. We must share the facts of the Holocaust so it never happens again. Have a Shana Tava. And to all of my non-Jewish friends, remember, join us in resolutions. Have some apples and wine, some honey, some round challah, and join us in our times of sweetness and happiness and festivities. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones, available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewish Patriot Show.